It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Caleb and Isaac. Listen in as they discuss Cocaine Bear and Anastasia, the new Broadway Across Canada musical. So, Caleb, last Monday I asked for the day off, or the night off, excuse me, because uh, my best friend Yule was in town, and he's almost finished his semester. He's currently in Quebec. He wanted to he wanted to hang out, and I was like, "You got it." So we went and saw a movie, because you know, like you and I were in the movies. So uh, he was like, "Oh, what movie's out?" I watched Cocaine Bear. Oh, interesting. Cocaine Bear. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, and how'd that experience treat you? So, uh, I I knew this film as the last film uh, that Ray Liotta, bless his, bless his heart and rest in peace, buddy, um, was involved in. Oh. And I knew this from pretty much a year ago. I think in February, like when he passed away last year in like was it February or March. Apologies, I don't have it off the top of my head right now. But when he passed last year, I remember a, a few days later, like, you know, some of the radio stations were given their, their fair dues. It was one radio station, excuse me, was, was given him, uh, g- given a well remembrance to him. And uh, just get, just remembering, you know, all the fun that he had back in the day of, of his acting days. And it came out that either his estate or I don't remember which movie studio it was, but saying, you know, his, this is. Because usually, you know, celebrities will have, or not celebrities, but actors may like, have worked on multiple projects that we obviously are being in production as we speak. And they said that he was involved, one of his last um, projects he was involved with was this film about a bear that had basically ingested some cocaine, uh, which based off a real event. Of course, based off of, and then Hollywood's going to probably go and take it and, you know do what they can with it um and but i certainly was like okay maybe i'll maybe i'll go see that uh and i saw it yeah so i hmm yeah where to even start with that <laughs> okay so did you see it no i did not see it no okay 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 fair enough interesting interesting okay uh well if you uh don't mind pulling out the old uh novice leaders checkbook of uh questions for me please if you don't mind yeah, so did you see a trailer going in? Did you get any sort of priming in that regard? I think I saw a TV spot or two, or... Oh, sorry. Not, t- not TV spot no more. Uh, internet ads. Internet mm. ads. Internet spots. So the short YouTube uh, ads. That's uh, either that or Twitch. Uh, it's mostly how I was able to view this film. 
So as a kid, I would see trailer trailers on TV. They still have trailers on cable television now. That's what streaming services. La- Actually, that's not true. Not anymore. They now have commercials. Um, but and now YouTube and Twitch are the only way I usually and I guess advertisements as well on sites uh, is how I see this. Other than what I mentioned before of this being Ray Liotta's last film. But as for the film itself, yeah, no, I, I've seen trailer spots for it and. Uh, I was a little bit skeptical for what, how it looked, but I was like, "All right, this yeah. is this is for Ray. This is not for what's happening in the film. This is just for Ray." Yeah, and my first question was going to be, "Do you find that the trailer was representative, or was it another one of those trailers that just paints a completely different picture?" Because the trailer made it look like kind of a raunchy, kind of stupid comedy, but I was like, "I don't know. It it could be something more. I'm not sure." I mean, to be fair, like this is, I don't know if it's like a murder like a horror film like i wasn't expecting a horror film i actually don't even know what i was expecting per se like mm. it's somewhat a national lampoon-esque oh wow plot maybe or at least maybe not national maybe i mean sort of um funny it's said in the 80s um that's the first funny thing is that the first thing they i think yeah one of the first things that opens the film uh was actual uh, television recordings of the incident itself. Um, oh wow! At least hmm. regarding regard uh, up to uh, itself, so or up up to the events. Excuse me, where uh, a drug cartel basically dropped, um, or was either I think were they busted? Yeah, they were busted, and their cocaine was like spread out somewhere, and one ended up in the woods in Georgia somewhere, or was it Tennessee? Um, okay, it says it's Georgia, but it's like. Uh, but it takes place, uh, but starts in Tennessee. Anyways, next question. Hmm. Yeah. Well, being that it's more of an over-the-top kind of comedy, how did the cast do? Did they feel like they were just kind of comedians doing their bits, or did it feel like they were playing like a, it was a real story? Uh, good question. Thank you. Uh, so we got O'Shea Jackson back in the mix. Uh, I, I liked him in this. Uh, I thought he was pretty good. We have Captain Han Solo as well. Uh, in it, um, we have what's her face's name? Uh, oh, and sorry, Captain Solo. He's uh, Ray Liotta's son in the in the film, and he's just down in his luck. He's kind of, I guess, looking for work. Well, he's not looking for work, but he, I guess, doesn't want to be a drug dealer anymore, or associated with his dad anymore, and he's probably like a toxic relationship. Uh, Ray Liotta plays this drug dealer who's affiliated with like i guess some of the uh dr- drug dealers uh, who are smuggling cocaine into the country and so he's after uh the cocaine basically he needs to get it back for his family and he's being threatened by the cartels in colombia uh, to get their cocaine back or else or get the payment back excuse me or else uh it means the end of his son and his grandson um and we have a cop who goes across the county lines to uh, nab these guys because I guess he's working the case in Tennessee but he goes down to Georgia and we have a mother uh, not affiliated with anybody but just a random mother in the area whose daughter goes off wandering into the woods and she's played by I was going to say Carrie Washington Uh, no what was her name oh she was the she was the woman in Mission Impossible 3 at the beginning, who dies? She's oh. in. Uh, I don't remember her name. Like her first name's Carrie, but I forget the her last name. 
Secured wounds? No. She the one. Was she the one who showed up in um, Star Wars Episode Nine? Yeah, she was episode. She was in Episode Nine. Thank you. And mm. she was also in Dawn of the Apes. Yes. Yeah, I, I can't remember her name either. Yeah, but, yeah. but her, she's the mom. She's she's in it because her daughter is in the woods wanting to, uh, basically have. She was supposed to like basically go into the park with her daughter that day, but she got called into work because she's a nurse. Uh, and the daughter goes anyway with her friend, and they find the cocaine, and the bear kind of like follows them. So that's that's her uh, point of the. Uh, that's her piece of the. In the, in the that's her part in the play. Um, yeah, next question. Hmm. Yeah how how was the how did the bear look? Was it mainly a CGI bear? Did it? Like stand out as like really fake CGI. Or did they get a real bear out there? Dallas up cocaine. So we got uh, we got Weta. We got we got Weta doing the effects. Uh, I mm. did not check to see if it was if it was motion captured or not. As in like somebody performed it like uh, uh, in a mocap suit, and then they just like you know built a bear mall like over top of that person. I don't. I have no idea. Um, it did not look convincing to me, but it, it looked unfinished. I will not say bad. I will say it looked like it, there could have been more work done to it, but I don't know what the budget of this movie was, so there you go. So if it was made for, like, I don't know, $50 million, then there's $50 million on screen. Yeah, it looked like a pretty cheap type of movie. So, yeah, a, a typical kind of, like, January release. Oh, t- totally. Like, it was, uh, it was certainly... Uh, I wouldn't say, like... A dumpster fire but it, <laughs> i know i talked to some people who did enjoy the film for its screwball comedy whackness mm. uh, of like oh man it's just these like characters that are in this situation and it's and it's funny like that's that's how the comedy writes itself and uh, i was like yeah it is what it is yeah did did you all enjoy it i think he did um i haven't talked to him uh, about it but I'll, I'll ask him again when i get the chance to see him uh, but there was there was a big elf in the room though, uh, other than it being Ray Liotta's last film, and that was in the beginning credits. Uh, after the newscasters uh, of you know real world newscast uh, prologuing the the event, we have so this movie was directed by Elizabeth Banks. Mm, oh yes. But that's that's not that's not that's not where I'm going. Because I think I think it was I think it was okay direction, but it was the dialogue. And as soon as I saw who were the exclusive producers, I'm like, oh no, oh no, you know exactly who it is. It's your old pals, Miller and Lord. Oh wow, I didn't realize they were producing that. Mm. Yeah, they're ex- exclusive producers. Excuse me. Now, I don't know if they wrote it. But I, I, as soon as I saw those two, I'm like, of course I should have realized those dastardly do that dastardly duo. Their fingerprints are all over this film. As soon as I saw that, I was like, their fingerprints and all their di- the dialogue maybe have been Banks. Again, I don't know who wrote this, but I could easily tell it was their dialogue. And I'm like, self-awareness on. And yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I did look it up. It doesn't look like they directed it or they, they wrote it, I mean. No, they didn't write it. I know, I, I know that, but they certainly had a hand in it. Now, okay, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm going a little too far. Maybe I'll, I'll admit, maybe I'm going a little too far with my biasness uh, of that. Like maybe they were just like they had their name attached, and that was it. Like they didn't do anything else. So, I, I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't put all the blame on them. I'm not trying to, 
with with my bias, but uh, it also at least makes sense why Han Solo is in this. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, but my next question was going to be: Did it live up to the kind of insane concept of a, a rampaging cocaine bear? Did that feel satisfactory, or did it feel more like a gimmick type of thing? Uh, I think it does for for a lot of people. I think for a general audience, this is a general audience movie um, where. I don't know if there's a lot of like low bar humor, but some of the dialogue and the comedy, uh, with, with like the dialogue comedy, I was like, eh, not really feeling it. But it didn't. Aff- okay, nothing should really offend me. But like, uh, I, it wasn't my cup of tea. But I won't throw it under the bus because I think there's a lot less well written comedy dialogue out there. So this was okay. Like this was, I think, okay. It didn't impress me, but I, well, I'm not trying to be impressed. <laughs> Uh, so, but as for the screw, I think people will find it insanely funny. There was a lot of intestines and gore in the film uh, that I think made some people wince. But I was just like, hmm. I've seen, I've seen worse than this. Like the, the level of gore, like oh, this is easy. Like I, I was impressed by the like, because it was rated R. Like there was gore that I think there was more gore than there should have been, but. Uh, least of all, I'll say the bear doesn't exactly get eviscerated. Let's, let's put it that way. But there's a lot of eviscerating of humans. Yeah, probably done to like comedic effect type of thing. Uh huh. Oh yeah. No, there's some shots where they linger on just to like showcase the uh, showcase the uh, insides on screen. Hmm. Yeah, and that can have its mixed results with comedies, definitely. Uh, for some people, of course. Um, again, I, I I'll pick neither i'll just be like I, it, it's it's certainly there um let's see what was what was some of my best thing i think well one one person that i did not i did not expect to see at all okay i sort of i sort of miss uh, misspoke there was a prologue before all of the uh before the title sequence uh of like cocaine bear and then all the credits i, I apologize about that and then they like show the uh tv station's and news reports about this like real co- life cocaine bear. Uh, there was a little prologue between like two. Uh, what is it? Oh, and the I forgot the, uh, the the Carrie actor. She was not Carrie, but like she was on the Americans. That's that's the other. That's the big thing she's known for. She was on the Americans. Sorry, I just thought of that. Mm. Uh, but there was a little prologue that I guess the for first the bear gets there. Her by the way, it's a she uh, gets her hands on the cocaine. And then we see this couple walking through the woods, and like the the wife is basically the first victim, and scars the uh, uh, the husband for later uh, or forever. Oh well, yeah, forever basically. And uh, he she shows up later, uh, just directing the the mom to you know where the bear cave is. But um, the the wife though this this particular wife and this couple, uh, I was shocked. I was like, I did not expect her to be in this. Um, so this is a uh, okay. This is okay. Go with me now. Uh, there's this. There's a game. There's a video game. It's called Horizon Zero Dawn. I've, I I wonder if you've heard of it. Yeah, heard of it. Okay. So there's this game called Horizon Zero Dawn, and it had a sequel from last year called Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, in it, uh, they play this main character named Aloy, and it's uh, it's performance capture by an actor. The actor who plays the main protagonist, Aloy. She was in the movie. She was the oh. she was the wife, and I was like, "No way!" Like that's awesome. Yeah, that's kind of funny. Mm. 
Yeah, that was pretty cool. So that was like basically my best thing in the in the entire movie of just like of seeing her on screen. I'm like, I did not expect this at all. So well, what do you know? Just apparently they filmed in Ireland, so that probably makes it. She's uh, Swedish or Norwegian. I don't remember now, but like very attractive looking lady. Um, but like, yeah, it was just it was just so like random to see her in there. I was like, what the flip? Uh, so that, there, there's a there's a thumbs up for me. Um, but as for like, I guess Ray Liotta himself. Um, you know, I, I think he puts it in there. I think, I don't want to say it was his, like, in-between movie, or maybe, maybe it was. I don't, I don't know. It was, I think, a yeah. smaller project for him. I will say that. But nothing uh, nothing important and whatnot. So, you know, we're, we're going to miss you, buddy. But I will certainly say that it's, uh, you know, I think, I think he did a good job with what he had. Excuse me. Yeah, and he's been doing a lot of, like, cheaper stuff over the past like 10 years or so a lot of really low budget stuff i figured so this is probably just another one of his kind of paycheck movies <laughs> yeah kind of like if if uh if it was bruce willis instead who passed pardon me i'm just like just for argument's yeah. sake uh bruce willis had you know prior to like you know five years or past five years or 10 years he'd been doing a lot of lower budget stuff even like john travolta did the same thing nicholas cage yeah. um what's his name uh steven seagal as well you know Dolph Lundgren, those '80s action stars, basically having to do like you know smaller budget movies. So you know, and or direct to video movies, not throwing them under the bus for that. But like, yeah, it's the same thing of what Ray Liotta is doing here. Yeah, and do you think uh, do you think they should keep giving Elizabeth Banks uh, work space in this one movie? Because <laughs> I know that she was saying that this movie could kill her career. Oh, and so I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I I don't know. After like a while, I stopped. I, I was too distracted by the fact of like the exclusive producers who i saw i was a little mm -hmm. more distracted at that they were involved in this um but but i i wasn't really thinking of elizabeth banks so like i don't associate this with her even though she's the director so i mean i think it's a definite like maybe career no not career change but maybe perhaps she should um if she found success with this like it's not too like if she could stick with smaller films maybe she could find success I, I don't i don't know but again i wasn't uh if if there was any like if i'm dismissing this film and not dismissing this because of her nor lord or miller i just it was an audience movie and it was like a whatever movie for me yeah uh, that's nothing on her it's nothing on those two it's just it was it was okay yeah and that that's what it looked like it looked like a low investment kind of low budget kind of crappy horror comedy is what i got from the trailers yes of course so uh perhaps hopefully she can find something that will uh shtick and uh you know keep her in the director's chair uh or whatnot um any other questions sir mm, no i i don't know if i have any it seems like you summed it up pretty well i mean i could ask about the editing or the music but i mean that doesn't yeah. really uh music Music was there, but it was 80s-ish, and I was like, yeah, I'm, real, I'm, not, I'm, not really, I'm not really getting anything out of this, uh, even though, you know, the composer probably, like, did their hardest and did their darndest to, like, you know, make it their all, put in their, put put their all into it, um, or not, I have no idea. Um, there was a cool fight scene with, uh, with Ice Cube's son, like, three punks. I think that worked out pretty well. She held the camera back, which was kind of nice. Um... But yeah, other than that, it's an audience pleaser movie, but I, I would certainly, you know, I, I'll recommend it for, okay, this sounds really elitist of me, 
how, how fitting. Uh, but this is like a lowest common denominator movie, so I would recommend it for general audiences. Uh, but even maybe if you like want to, like if you want to have it in the background, like you know, want to have it in the background while you're doing work, absolutely. Uh, I would not recommend buying this movie uh, for yourself. Like maybe just wait for it to be on streaming services. Um, yeah. You're not missing much, and it also turns out that, um, well, the actual bear itself, I, I didn't research this, but I was just told this in the, uh, by a coworker of mine, uh, they, the bear, one, was male, and two, uh, the bear was, like, lasted 15 minutes, like, they, the, the bear was, like, you know, was high for 15 minutes on cocaine, and then, you know, died because of a heart attack. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah. Wow. No, that yeah, that, that bear certainly did not survive. But I'm not gonna. I mean, wouldn't shock me because it literally had like a brick, like it, it had a whole brick of cocaine. So yeah, it's a kind of cheap riding the coattails of a, a somewhat tragedy for the bear. Mistaken, yeah. Uh, ingestion and then death. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, a comedy. Well, they kind of not without spoiling stuff. Like it's, this is more like a a Hollywood adaptation of a real-life tragedy or a real-life event. Yeah. Let's just say that it doesn't end all in tragedy for the bear. Uh, mm. For for Ray Liotta it does, but for the bear, not so much. So, kind of kind of like, uh, let's just say there's a there's a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood ending. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, boy. I'll, uh, I'll just, I'll slightly spoil that. So, uh, in a way, I'll, I'll at least say that it was a little more redeemed. Maybe not redeemed. That was at least something that uh, I'll tip the hat there to Elizabeth Banks or whoever the writer was. Whoever decided to the ending. I'm like, okay. Fair enough. This is a work of fiction and thus you actually had some artistic license and leeway. I'll give you that. Well, but with that being said, should we move on to our uh, our other little main event here? Take it away, Caleb. What did you and I watch this week? Or uh, participate in watching live this week? Uh, separate, of course, but uh, we still viewed the same uh, players, if you will, on a stage. Yeah, this year I've been uh, trying to take in some of the, the art scene here in Vancouver a little bit more. Uh, back in January, I went to go see Fiddler on the Roof on the stage. And then just, I guess it was this, or was it last week? Yeah, last week. I went to go see another play on the stage, Anastasia the Musical, based on the uh, supposed hit animated film, although I don't know how much of a hit it was. Um, and you saw the same thing several days later. Yes, I saw mine on Saturday evening, and, well, let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll start with, uh, were you a fan of the animated film? It's been quite a long time since I've gone back to the animated film. I did not do what I usually say I'm going to do, which I never do, uh, which is before I go see an adaptation or a sequel, I will watch the, you know, the previous entry first, uh, just to get myself familiar, some familiar with it, excuse me. Uh, I did not do that this time intentionally, um, because I didn't know whether or not this was based off of Don Bluth's Fox film, animated film, excuse me. Yeah. Now having seen it, do you feel the, uh, the tendrils a little more? Cause it was... At least for me, I was surprised how close it actually was to that that film. They changed some some core elements, but a lot of it was very very similar. So the basic skeleton is still there, at least with you know on uh, teen, well or, yeah young adult Anastasia herself. Well, okay, she's supposed to be like twenty seven in the in the play, um, but the same structure is there. Is that she's this is a, obviously a big what if 
uh, of that, you know, the real Anastasia, the real princess of Russia herself, was like was was killed in the was it the October Revolution or one of the uh, one of the big revolutions that had happened. It's either the February or the October one, and uh, she was killed along with her family. Although it probably happened after uh, her family all died, she probably like somehow was, like moved away and then like shot, um, which is pretty sad. But there, of yeah. course, is that yeah. The, okay, so yeah, for your background, this is based off of like an animated film uh, after the real life events that happened, and in, in the day there was supposed, you know, just like Elvis or. Uh, I don't know who else now, um, but but of celebrities. I mean, I mean, she was a princess at the day of the, of the day. Uh, she didn't die. People were like, she didn't die. She she survived. She got away, and she's living somewhere in Russia or somewhere in Europe, under a different identity. And that's what this play was taking from the movie, the animated movie, which fell there. But kind of uh, kind of takes some kind of adapts what was in the film. Which I kind of like. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah, it's essentially the same plot minus the whole Rasputin kind of supernatural angle. They kind of convert that to more of a, a kind of a, the, the Soviet line kind of angle. Like the, the main villain is more of a representative of the the, the coming state. So, so that was an interesting adaptation, I thought. Yes, no, the, uh, the, one, the ones who overthrew the Tsar... Uh, and basically introduced communism into the entire country. Um, that that political party uh, was the focus, uh, of course, over one person because we didn't have the whole political per like party in there. But it was yeah. one officer who uh, was shown as the main antagonist, and boy, was I a fan of him. Yes, and was yours? Because um, I know that there was two people. I believe the one that I saw was the understudy, playing playing uh, Gleb. Okay, was your was the guy playing him on your showing a, a black man or? It absolutely was. Oh, okay, then yeah, you saw the, uh, I saw the understudy. You saw the the real guy. <laughs> yeah, the the main the main actor uh, in there. Yeah, but even even though I didn't see him, whoever is doing the understudy, unfortunately, I didn't get. Um, uh, what do they call them? Like a little little cast pamphlet. Oh yes, yes. Wait, did you have a pamphlet by the way? No, they were they were already sold out by the time we got there. Okay. Was it the same? Thing? Yeah, no, I had to get it. I had to get mine uh, digitally. Mm. Yeah, I, I looked at it later, but I didn't download it or anything. But whoever was the understudy did an excellent job. That that character really stood out. His voice was just really powerful, and I felt like the character himself was one of the more powerful moments of the the play. I will say a worthy successor to all those who wanted Rasputin, uh, the animated Rasputin. Excuse me. Um, different, of course, very, very different, but boy, my, the main, the actor who played him, uh, on my night, very intense, very, very intense, um, wor worthy of a Tony. Like he did, mm. uh, absolutely like that is a man who knows his craft and like put everything into it. He was, uh, he was he, like, it was, a, it was a little over the top. That's theater. Like that's, that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> like I have no problem with that. Yeah. It's the same for mine. Yeah, but the character I felt had some of the most dramatic weight, and at least for mine, one of the least cartoony of the performances. Because a number of the other performers, particularly the grandma, um, I thought, I was like, oh, her performance, I could feel as if it was out of an animated film. It felt very uh, cartoony, I thought. 
Oh, the grandmother, eh? I thought you were going to say, like, Lily and, um, and Vlad. I thought you were going to, like, point to those two as being a little over the top. Yeah, those two felt like, um, comic relief in a stagey way. Oh, yeah. But their performances still felt like theater performances. Of course. And the old lady's voice, I thought, was really well done. The grandma's voice, I should say, not the old lady. Yes. <laughs> well, she is, she is, a the actor is, uh, elderly, but yes. Like, yeah. She still does an amazing job. Yeah, she did a great job with the songs. I just felt like her actual line deliveries and stuff, especially with the little kid in the beginning, felt very cartoony to me. Also, like, mm. interesting. Okay. Even though, you know, in a way, animation and theater are actually more closer than they should be. Yeah, I guess they come from a similar root of just really playing up the dramaticness of it. Oh, the fact that, you know, you have these animated characters, I mean, like, animation, you have these animated characters who aren't supposed to be i mean of course you can always have realism you can always like make them you can have the rotoscoping effect like we saw last year uh mm. with um scanner darkly uh which you know the, the 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 rotoscoping can make it look a little weird because you're basically rotoscoping what a real person looks like so it can look weird in that but again the idea that animation is caricature as brad bird would say you have these over the top this theater is all about that where you can it's larger yeah. than life Sometimes, again, depends on the like play, the performance, the atmosphere, uh, and this kind of had, this certainly had a lot of like humor in it. There was comic relief, but there was still all like very much a serious weight to it, uh, especially with uh, like Anastasia herself having um, some trauma in, in her nightmares uh, over you know what happened. Yeah, and the nightmare stuff I thought was really well realized. Oh yeah, in this version, um, and I really liked because uh, they. They kind of lined the set. It was kind of a more limited, kind of cheaply done set in a way. But they had these CGI kind of, I don't know what to call them, kind of like placeholders for backgrounds. And they would change them up all throughout the thing. And I liked whenever she was having those dreams, we'd see the snow coming over it again. I thought that was cool. Yep. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the set uh, maybe a bit later. Uh, sure. Just because I think that is important to talk about. I have a lot to ask about that or mm. to, uh, want to discuss that stuff. But... Uh, I will say with like the the, uh, the the Duchess the Duchess herself uh, I was moved I was I was certainly I think she came across as uh, justified in how she acted and how kind of bitter she was mm -hmm. uh, over like having all these like fakes these phonies coming in trying to get, basically get get the money for her which I'm gonna say okay I don't know if that was a real thing that happened or not I I will show my ignorance of like I don't know if that's a thing or not if that actually did happen that's kind of this sounds really nihilistic. Well, I mean, not nihilistic, but this sounds really pessimistic. But, like, that's a really stupid idea because, of course, there's going to be people who are going to come out and claim to be, like, your, 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 like, not dead granddaughter. Like, that's kind of just setting you up for tragedy. Yeah. Well, she was heartbroken, and, you know, folks back then maybe just weren't as aware. Yeah. Nowadays, they wouldn't do something like that because it'd just be so ripe with scams. I mean, of course, there's always, you know, the loss. Okay, this is, there's a difference between. Okay, maybe there isn't, but maybe there's a difference between a, you know, lost dog or lost cat posters. Like, if you've seen my dog or cat in the neighborhood, please, like, you know, find find him. There's a reward, or just tell me. Um, versus, you know, may or may not be dead princess of Russia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and to be honest, that's the original movie was never a favorite of mine. I always thought that the story felt just kind of weird, and there, there was something 
that always disturbed me about the real story and that they made into this animated movie something about it just always struck me as a little off especially with the Rasputin like this comedy relief but also really creepy and unnerving villain I thought that dynamic was weird and then the ending when she decides to embrace the Anya thing I never really got that either I was always left kind of perplexed by that movie but it was the music that that brought me back to it and that's one of the reasons I was excited to see this show but some of the the core stuff with the the, the movie that I never really got is still carried over to this this play interesting especially that ending and so I was like hmm, I, I kind of wish that they would have adapted a little bit more care to elaborate unless you kind of already have <laughs> well I like the the changing of the Rasputin thing taking that out of there I think helped a lot added a more serious kind of note and a little bit more of a, a meaningful story to it and showed a different light as well uh in that instead of like you know okay rasputin's a very interesting figure in like history yeah. uh yes he did deal with spiritualism but like from like okay obviously reports now are kind of getting muddy and iffy and there's obviously like you know different stories now and legends fairy tales folklore urban legends whatever you want to call it uh, cryptids about whether or not he was close to the czar and his family or he wasn't and the fact that he was kind of a not so nice person when it came to all the communes out in Russia so it's yeah. it's hard it's difficult to say but other than that at least some most like factual history now is stating that like he had a good relationship with Anastasia and her siblings especially helping her young uh, younger brother who was a uh, what is it a hemolac no wait, wait, wait. Low blood blood, or his blood couldn't, or his body couldn't produce blood clots. Oh yeah, I've heard that's called. Yeah, I, I forgot too, but he ba that that's basically he was very much a godsend, or at least a help to uh, keeping him alive. <laughs> yeah, my problems with the the story one, I feel like um, it actually the story itself there isn't a lot there, and it's hard to fully carry a, the runtime. I I thought. Um, and so they packed it full of a lot of good songs in both versions. But still, the, the lack of an interesting story, it just, you know, it, it leaves a little bit of a gap there of not really being pulled in. And then I still felt the same kind of confusion at the ending. Why did she choose to be Anya? And why did she choose to... Like, why couldn't she be both? Why couldn't she be herself and be with uh, whatever that guy's name? I'm forgetting it at the moment. Dimitri. 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 <laughs> uh, why did she choose to... Yeah, kind of wander the streets is, and not accept her uh, either her role or, or her inheritance is that that role. I was I never quite got that in either version. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, we'll talk about at least this one because uh, it is kind of yeah. funny. I was like, when we when this happened, I was like, when I watched this, I'm like, should we talk? Should we just do an Anastasia at some point? Like, yeah, I thought that too. <laughs> we probably will. Like. I, yeah, and I know this is live and thing is now, but like, given that it's in our like heads right now, we probably will do this like soon, because like, why not? Yeah, Don Bluth series could be fun. Pick some of the highlights. Well, yeah, you you got a bone to pick with, well, not bone, but you certainly have stuff to talk about with Secret of Nim. Yeah, I'd be curious to see it again. I haven't seen it in a long, long time. That's like, maybe like twelve, fifteen years. Um, but like, sorry, yeah, for this film or for this theater production, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're we're, front, we're going to the theater. Let's go. Um, uh, but for this one, yeah, I, I think I have a similar thing as well. So we kind of have a liar reveal story. 
at least with Dmitry, where he said it, he's like, you know, him and Vlad are trying to get out of Russia uh, by any means necessary, and they're 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 the groups that are trying to like, you know, get a fake, like create a fake Anastasia to get to Paris, and then to uh, you know get the money from the Empress or the, sorry, mm-hmm. the Duchess, excuse me. Um, once once like the, the deal is done, uh, so you have that, which you know can make him a scumbag or what. But of course, they're they're lovable. Uh, he's he's a lovable guy deep down yeah. and whatnot, and I think at least in this in this production and adaptation, I think they did a lot better of a job to uh, show that he's a little more of like a human character. Like we have, he at least has some motivations as well. Uh, yeah. you know, he's, he was raised in Saint Petersburg. Now, um, oh, what was what, 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 that's Stalinburg, but whatever it's called, Leninburg. That's what it is. Yeah, Leninburg. Um, he he ha- he had a family beforehand, but like you know, they all died. So he, you know, they, they I think they expanded his role a little more. That doesn't take away from like what he does, but at least they tried to like fill in, give him a backstory to all that. Um, and then I remember in the film, he's actually a servant or something like that, a servant boy in, in the film that helps Anastasia escape uh, during the coup, uh, or the well, their their version of the coup, excuse me. Uh, but in this, there he's not that. He's just like a person on the streets, uh, and they meet both him and Anastasia meet in a, during a parade. Um, yeah, I did, I did like that scene, by the way, when like she, which when she kind of like realizes that she is Anastasia when he does it. He never told her a certain action that she performed, which was mm-hmm. pretty cool. I, I I did enjoy that part, but I, I certainly know what you mean because the thing with I mean, we haven't actually we're kind of not talking about Anastasia herself. Uh, in that I was thinking that when I came out of the film where I was like, you know, we didn't actually because here we have and here's where you probably not you don't like it. We have a we have a classic amnesia story, which I guess the film technically had as well. We have a classic uh, amnesia story where a girl doesn't know who she is and she's trying to find her past. Now, one way they could have gone at, gone at it was potentially. Again, don't worry, I'm pretty much incorrect on this i don't know how to write stuff but like what they could have gone was she creates a new identity like in in this journey to like act as anastasia like to you know to play this like deceased princess she actually herself becomes like a new character and what that means like what like because it's because that's one of the main themes of the play of like you know who are you I don't know if we actually... I mean, okay, maybe it's... Maybe she is by the end. Uh, like, Especially when she con- is confronted by Gleb uh, at gunpoint. She does state, like, I am Anastasia. But I think we... Do you think we needed more time spent with her about this? Or... Because they kind of deal with, like, stuff with her the romance uh, between her yeah. and Dimitri. But uh, maybe I'm wrong on that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you mentioned the amnesia plot and me maybe potentially having a problem with that and i do think that that may be part of the issue with not really knowing her or understanding her decision at the end because we spend so much of the movie with her not knowing who she is and trying to figure it out and then to get to the end and and once she does kind of figure out okay i am anastasia it's like then she realizes that maybe that isn't her anymore either maybe i don't exactly get why she chooses to walk away but but so maybe at the end, the, her message is supposed to be she's leaving to be Anya to find out who Anya is, since she spent so long focused trying to be someone else. But then it is like, yeah, I didn't really get to know Anya. I don't fully 
feel like I I got to know who Anya was and her reconnecting with who she, or sorry I got to know who Anastasia was and her recon, trying to reconnect to who that person was but who she is now during this movie it, yeah it does feel like I'm left a little bit cold or this play ah uh, the play yeah the, the play <laughs> production yeah and I think the the actress did a good job I think she had some some fairly well done songs I don't feel like she was one of the strongest actors or, or singers up there uh, maybe on both parts <laughs> but she did do a, a good job especially uh when she was singing with other people I thought her voice complimented in those versions quite well but on her own she wasn't quite as strong as maybe they could have gotten but maybe that's me being just a little too harsh I don't know <laughs> <laughs> fair enough um well I think she gave it her all that's you know, maybe yeah. that's, maybe that's me being a little too forgiving, um, but I think you're right. I think I think really yeah, there's because because we get some stuff about her where like you know she fought for like she, I, I like that line where she was like I didn't fight I didn't come all the way to St. Petersburg and then, like like without defending myself or whatnot. I kind of like that. That was that was yeah. a cool moment. Um, that's what I was gonna say too. I was like the only character trait that I knew is that she could take care of herself. <laughs> yeah no exactly i mean makes sense given like the, the time of course but yeah um but yeah she like learned to do i i also thought okay maybe this is a statement on modern day stuff for modern, modern day sensibilities this film this this production excuse me was written in 2017 and lily has a line somewhere in the second act about how people don't like royalty anymore and i was like mm-hmm is that maybe subtly talking like this is this is like a key to understanding the end where she's like and and here's what i'm thinking she's absolute in i am anastasia princess of so-and-so maybe she also realizes that like other people will keep coming for her it may not be gleb it's something else because the only reason gleb doesn't shoot her is because like his father was one of the guards who shot the czar and his family mm. and thus he has like a there's there's some grief to that in a way like i guess his, and how his like father felt afterwards yeah and i read somewhere online that somebody thought that like gleb has a attraction to anastasia herself and i'm like interesting oh. i didn't i didn't pick up on that me neither i thought it was kind of an attraction to the the past like this, this oh, this old kind of glorious regime that maybe he disparages now, but in a way he also kind of, I don't know, holds in some special way. And then when he finally recognizes that you are Anastasia and I'm going to kill you and kind of be my father's son, but then he can't at the same time. And he still has this respect for her. So I thought that was all fairly dramatic. And I thought some of his uh, music, not just his singing, but just the, the lyrics of his songs, kind of uh, resonated well it's better than some of the other ones that we got yeah uh, i can see that i i for let's see if you yeah, have for at least how i read it uh i read the ending more as he can't do it because he saw like who anya was at first you know this this mm. street sweeper and that you know he she was a comrade and whatnot and so he kind of had respect for her um you know just being like being a pardon me for saying this but like a poor unfortunate soul yeah, uh, you know she no. she like she's she's like one of the commoners, so he kind of had like respect for her. 
No, yeah, that makes sense. I, I can see that being why he called her comrade before he left. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I think I think at least Anastasia's turn from like for for the ending, other than like being faithful to the the end of the movie itself, other than like being with Dimitri, I thought it was because there were more coming. Like there was there were, like the USSR agents wouldn't stop coming to like murder her. So she, that's, that's why that's, that's my theory. And potentially like, we don't explore anything with her on like, well, what do you think of all this art? Like, what do you, what do you, like, cause she wants to be on in Paris, right? Does she have a, we don't really see any of her, like if she's abhorrent or if she's like, has an aversion to art or high art because she chooses Dimitri in the end. Who's like, you know, a common man. Yeah. So I'm like, is is there like a thing with she chooses the commoner instead of her royalty? I mean, maybe it's like, is this a hero's journey where like, you know, she gets she gets what she was destined to be, a princess in the end, and then she like, you know, changes and is is that like a good character in a way? Like she she like decides not to have it? I, I have no idea. Hmm. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's I don't know either. I'm 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 still lost. I'm still lost in that bit, but but even though I, I I find the the story a little unsatisfying, I do think that there was some some really good songs in this. Um, there was a couple that stood out as just being kind of like nothing, like they almost felt like they were just there to fill time. Yeah. Uh, for example, the one on the uh, the train, it was kind of a fun little little number there, but it just felt like hmm, like what? Why are we getting this here? Well, especially because that was the that was the opening to Act Two, correct? Uh, it may have been. I thought maybe it was the end of Act One, but it may have been the the beginning of Act Two. I can't remember for sure. So I did enjoy the. So the end of Act One is them going on the train, and they have before they go on the train. This is apparently a real thing, where if if a Russian is about to leave the country, they would like sit at the airport or the train station or wherever, and kind of just sit and have a moment about like, and think about like their heritage and and being in the country. Now, that may sound a little nationalistic, but like, yeah. In this case, I, I think they really. I think the good thing they show is that they show a difference, especially since this is released now, by the way, or since you know, given a certain war that's happening. I think they did a good job of separating Russians from USSR. Yeah, and I was kind of surprised that there was no mention because when I went to go see Fiddler on the Roof, another uh, play musical that takes place in Russia around a similar time. At the end of it, they did come out and say, like, you know, we stand with Ukraine and. You know, the actions of Russia today doesn't reflect, you know, all Russians in the past, but, like, j just kind of a comment about, you know, the war. So I was surprised that there wasn't one for this one. Yes, I also uh, was thinking that, too. They didn't do that here for us, either. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah, it is it is interesting. And then, of course, there's also the controversy surrounding, like, the Tsar themselves, like, out Nicholas himself, and being kind of not for the people of the time again it's it's very muddy it's very yeah. it's kind of it's ugly i'm not saying the history's uh, muddy or like we, we don't understand the history it's just like it's very detailed and kind of like ugly in a way so you know maybe the only reason anastasia some people say anastasia is like, gets a free pass because like you know she was murdered in like cold blood <laughs> damn i mean okay i don't i hey, <laughs> what do i think of that um I don't know. I have, I have to educate myself more. I need to kind of not just look at TV tropes and actually do my history on what, you know, the common people thought of royalty and then what Anastasia herself was like. 
Apparently she was a troublemaker, which is kind of cool. I'm like, <laughs> all right, let's go. Um, but the, you know, sorry, this 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 production. Um, I think the I think the actor uh, who portrayed her I think did a fantastic job for me personally. And there was two moments. There was two moments that really stood out for me, that that pretty much like brought me to tears, um, or at least almost brought me to tears. And that's when we get the locket, when we get the little music box. Mm. Um, the first time or uh, later, when she opens it and all of a sudden like the ghosts of the czar and his family and like the background turns to snow when that mm. all happens i was i was almost in i was moved i was in tears i was almost in tears yeah uh, even just thinking about that i'm almost starting to water my eyes are starting to water up a bit. i thought it was just so like because it was one of the memorable songs from the movie and that was of course once upon a december yeah oh boy when that when that started playing like I, I yeah no I almost I almost like started crying. I was like yeah. oh man. Yeah and they they see it through the whole thing it, it comes up a number of different times and each time it's it's powerful. Yep. Especially when she sings it like I mentioned with the uh, the grandma. Yep. I think that was yeah just fantastic. And that's that's the other moment that got me was the re the reunion and like after all the you know bitterness and sourpussness of the duchess when they like yeah. actually meet and they're kind of both in tears and like she realizes it is Anastasia that that also moved me a lot I think that was like some of the best acting in the entire play yeah no definitely yeah and I'm curious for your your uh, viewing because I think maybe at the viewing that I was at this particular performer had a lot of supporters there and they all went crazy when she showed up the first time and when she showed up at the end for her applause and that was the ballet dancing sequence. Swan Lake. Um, we get this this quartet with all the singers all singing together, which I thought was beautifully done. They're all kind of singing their themes and where they're at in that story, kind of just stating it over each other. I thought that was excellent. Uh, Anastasia, Dimitri, the Duchess, and Club. Sorry, just for... Yeah. The, all the main players, really. Yeah, <laughs> all the main players, yeah, the, the, the big players. Yeah, and then in the middle, because they're, they're kind of split into these two... Uh, two kind of how, how would you say it like well they're two sides of a theater yeah they're literally like both in the uh like the the, the box office seats they're literally like in, the, in yeah. the best seats in the house uh they're they're pretty much overlooking uh the stage and they're looking down and it's swan lake that's being played and quite fitting of course given the uh the the, the themes of swan lake uh i thought that was pretty well done I love the ballet, by the way. The, the ballerinas who did and the performers who were doing like Swan Lake, I thought that was also really good, uh, well done. For Absolutely. The fact that they had, they had, it was a little meta where they had to like do a play within a play. Yeah, I always like that. And yeah, the, the, the couple that I was sitting next to, and they, they went crazy when she showed up, the main ballerina. And at the end, they were screaming and cheering for us. So I was like, "Do they are they friends with her? Like, what's going on? Pro here? Probably, yeah. But yeah, the <laughs> one who played Odette. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. But no, yeah, I, I thought that that whole sequence there was just great. Um, and overall, I think Act Two was maybe the better uh, section of the play. I mean, like you know, Act One is traditionally set up, and then Act Two is payoff. So, like, sure. <laughs> yeah, although in the original movie, I think I enjoy the the first act better. I, I kind of like the the Pygmalion kind of section where they're teaching her how to be on you. Uh, okay. I feel like that plays better in the movie. It didn't play as great here. It it just was kind of there i thought 
I think with Once Upon a December, I was also thinking of that scene in the film. I think, you know, pretty much like the best scene in the entire film, uh, where she goes into, you know, the old palace. And then oh, she yeah. Start, and then she, like, with the music box, she remembers uh the the ballroom the the, the dance basically uh, a ball basically uh and then once upon a december plays and yeah that's that's kind of so that's kind of biased i guess but <laughs> boy, yeah I, I certainly enjoyed it you know that stuff's stunning there yeah and part of the reason why i think the 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 second half of the movie once she kind of is trying to convince the the, the duchess in the original one i feel like a lot of that feel, falls flat for me just because of more of the rasputin stuff starts to come in Yes. And I just never liked that. But I think the Gleb stuff, yeah, really changes the dynamic in the later half of it. You know, again, they, they, they actually keep most of the beats from the film, which is nice. Like, they go on a train, and then they have to get off the train. And this, like, uh, USSR, tr like, uh, police are there. And they're going to shoot, like, any people who seem suspicious. And that worked perfectly, I think, in line with the film, where... In the film, it's a big set piece that Rasputin is sending, like, his ghouls or spirits to, like, destroy the train or, like, uh, interfere with the train. Uh, and so they have to get off there. So I think I think it was a really... That was... From an adaptation standpoint, it made sense. Yeah. But you could probably question, like, what's it doing in the play? <laughs> like, does it have any... Like, is there any reason for it to be in the play? Yeah, I feel like there's some social commentary there. At least, at least more than there was with Rasputin. But maybe it's not social commentary that fully blends in. I mean, I guess you could argue that Anya is representing like this bridge between the old establishment with the royals and kind of how the people are now, the kind of living in the gutter element of, you know, what would become the Soviet Union, kind of this, this, well, maybe that's maybe some bias. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think, I think you're onto that where they are trying to. Like it's almost like this is a first draft, or at least maybe a second, maybe not first draft. Excuse me, like a second draft or two, and like they needed to do like a few more attempts before they like got it, because mm -hmm. uh, totally have social commentary in there. I think that's the point. That's that's kind of yeah. like some plays re reap on that, uh, others don't obviously and avoid that. But I think this would be a good like play to have some social commentary on that, uh, especially in this time of where you know Russia is like the enemy. At least to us here in Canada, because, you know, what they're, you know, try, at least, you know, the main guy in charge over there is trying to get back land that to make Russia better again. It's like, okay, sure. Yeah, and it's sad how long is Russia going to remain the, the enemy? Because even after the Cold War went cold, as it were, <laughs> I mean, Russia was still always at a, at that element of they could be a potential enemy at any day now. It's just sad. It's, it's sad that all these years it's just been kind of on this island. Yeah, it's kind of uh, it's, it's like John Connor asked in, in T2. Isn't Russia our friends or our allies? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe you could say that briefly at the time, but... Uh, yes, no, only in 1991. <laughs> yeah, and of course the Russian government, of course we should say, not the Russian people. Yes, yes, yes. Although there, of course, is a difference between both of them. Remember that there's there's those who are pro-government and there's those who are anti-government. Yeah, but uh, yeah, do we have much more before we round out uh, the show for us? Today? I do. The stage. Oh yes, the stage. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel that uh, those kind of CGI walls? Because it was 
it always kind of shaped the action. I felt like they were so big, the little uh, the, the side pieces. And they were there the whole show. They never pulled them apart. And so it always kind of made the stage a little bit narrow, I thought. Uh, so, Caleb, is this volume? I guess you could say it was kind of like the volume, yeah. So it seems, it would seem, potentially, volume has made its way into theater. And will potentially, if it works, replace stagecraft and stage work. Hmm. Oh boy. Oh boy. I can already tell there's probably a uh, division amongst theater heads over this. Both in the union and uh, those watching as an audience. Oh boy. Yeah. And it was a stark difference from seeing Fiddler on the Roof, which had much more traditional stage elements they would bring in pieces all over the place it was a very kind of inventive show with how many different settings we got and how many of them were like full rounded kind of settings this one was much more limited in that way and i thought that was i was like okay at times this this cgi thing could really add some depth and add some like we mentioned about the snow add some atmosphere i especially liked there was a place that they were in that had these um it was like white and black tiles on the floor. And the way that they blended that with the CGI really did make it seem like the, the room was extending back quite a bit. I think they did a good job there. But for the most part, I, I did find it a little bit like, oh, I wish that we were getting a little bit more set work here. This feels a little bit, I don't want to say lazy, but it just doesn't feel expansive. Yeah, so for the Fiddler on the Roof, props, props everywhere, correct? Yep. They even brought down this little house prop that they would have Ooh, in front of a house. Cool, a quaint. And they could walk around, and there'd be a window there. Yeah, you know, lots of lots of stuff. Yeah, so there, there were okay. So not everything was volume. I'm not gonna say that because obviously there were a lot of yeah. things that like there was there was like a there was like a bench that was still around, like that was physical. Mm -hmm. uh, when like the four players that we mentioned before, when they were watching Swan Lake, they kind of like have a you know, little. Uh, balcony made for them, like that's real. Uh, obviously, the back. It is interesting if it is one of those. This is technology enhancing theater, mm -hmm. and yeah, I don't. That's a good question, man. Like I, because instead of you know like handiwork craftsmanship uh, with with carpenters and set design, uh, we'll have that. It'll just be transferred over to 3D composition and uh, 3D animation instead. Yeah, and that, I mean, again, it, it does have its uses, but, you know, overuse could potentially be ruinous. And one of the things that early on, I was not exactly sure about how it, how well it translated, was the fact that when they had some guards shoot the parents and, you know, during the big kind of massacre scene there, all the, uh, the enemy, uh, guards were all cgi guys just on the screen i don't know how i felt about that that struck me as a little bit odd early on yeah i mean they almost wanted to like create you know what what is it like no uh ha have somebody be not human at all like inhuman that's what they wanted to create like these inhumans uh yeah so that they didn't have faces even though there were people with faces that murdered those people so like murdered the czar and his family so like it's not like out of the room but i i know what you mean and that's the, that's the thing of like 
Okay, with theater itself, pardon me if I'm going down this road, it's all up to the imagination. Theater itself, you're supposed to, like, okay, there's, there's limited, like, with theater, there's limited amounts of stuff you can do, traditionally, of course. That's why there's always props. You know, you're not going to get, like, these, you're not going to go, like, to all these different places that you'll see in a movie. I mean, this is theater for pit's sakes. Theater before then, like, you had to just imagine, like, okay, they're in a different place. Suspension of disbelief. With volume, uh, this can now be like, okay, well, you know, you're still on stage. However, we can now enhance the idea of with this rear projection, uh, we can have uh, you be now for, uh, we can go from like a uh, Capitol building in uh, Lindenburg to uh, Paris. We can now be, you, mm. know, you can see the Eiffel Tower or you can be on Alexander's Bridge uh, in Paris itself. Yeah. And that's pretty much like... That's a debate for debate for so many purists and those who are more progressive. Like, that's yeah. what I mean. Like, there's this is gonna send shockwaves through the theater because, well, who's to say that we can't soon have like hologra holograms be like take the place of actors, and it's all just programs. Yeah, no, that'd be weird. That'd be weird. Yeah, it, it certainly. Yeah, it, it does certainly like lose lose a sense of. Uh, I don't know, quaintness, I guess, or, or, or personality, or maybe just a different type of personality. Yeah, and spontaneity, too, I feel. Because if it's something that's pre-programmed into a computer, I don't know, that that feels a bit different than the kind of the, the orchestrated illusion, orchestrated illusion of them all putting the, place, the props in places, rushing around to make sure everything's set up for the next scene. I think there's something about that that has a kind of spontaneity to it. Again, I've only ever been in... I'm not gonna, well, I say, I guess it was professional, but I was, I've only ever been in, like, one play uh, yeah. ever. And it was in community theater, so I'm not saying, like, I know everything. But, like, you know, I only had, like, one set. Like, we didn't, we never had, like, room projections. We were in that, like, you know, that small room, basically. And we had, like, yeah. you know, we had to make use out of one stage. Which, I, I don't, I'm biased because I have no idea how it looked. I hope it worked. <laughs> it did. I think so. I did because I I can't watch it because I was in the play. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it worked. Yeah. Okay. There you go. And there was a nice intimacy to that little theater because everything was so close, you know. But but if there was one more thing I wanted to mention about the kind of it's not quite set design, but it's kind of a set accompaniment. Of course. What is that, sir? And that was they they used it many times throughout the show, and each time I found it baffling and kind of startling. Where they would flash these these two on both sides of the stage these extremely bright white lights. Yeah. They would flash them, and every time I would just kind of like, kind of jump a little in my seat. I'd be like, "Whoa, what the fuck? Why'd they just flash that at me?" I never really felt like that worked. <laughs> yeah. So one, there was a warning, I believe. I don't know if was there a voiceover for that, or did you have to just look that in your in your play playbook or your playbook? Oh. Excuse me. Yeah, since I didn't have a playbill, I didn't have any warning. Yeah. Um, it still baffles my mind that there's stuff like this today. I mean, maybe, okay, maybe that's cancel culture speaking, but like... Yeah. It's an artistic license. It's a just, or sorry, an artistic decision, excuse me, to do that, which I know why. It was like muzzle flash. That was what they were trying to like get across. Yeah, or they used it for uh, photographs a little bit later, too. Oh, yeah. I think. Uh... Or maybe they just did it on the stage with the photographs. I yeah, I don't remember there being too many photographs in the like the production itself, but maybe I'm misremembering something. 
Yeah, we got family photos early on, and then later on with the grandma. Oh, okay, never mind. We got some more photos, but yeah, and I, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I just don't feel like it was whatever they were trying to do with it. It was more distracting than anything, and it was just too bright. If they had turned it down a little bit, maybe it would have worked better. Yeah, but I, I just found it off-putting. Yeah, I think I think yeah, what what it was supposed to be because, like I said, Anastasia throughout the entire piece is. She has PTSD. She has trauma of like the gunshots at, um, from when it happened, and so she's so if it's a trigger. It's a trigger thing for her with guns, which I understand. Yeah. Um, we get, and most of the time the the flashes happen during flashbacks. No pun intended, um, because it showcases you know the family getting killed again. Uh, I don't know. I think that was an artistic decision to like kind of put us in the shoes of the czar and his family in their final moments. And I think it's up to people's interpretations of whether, you know, it was effective or not. Um, I didn't ask my friend who was there with me, who was uh, blind. I, hmm. I didn't ask him if he, I didn't ask him of his opinion, if he felt it was effective or not. I, I didn't get a chance to, but I'm trying to remember to ask him, but, Maybe like I don't know if it would have any effect of on him, but yeah. Also, with the volume, I forgot that they actually had um, what was it? They had uh, title cards in there. Oh yes, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Where it was like, oh, you don't know what date it is? Well, here's it's nineteen seventeen, and then it's nineteen twenty-seven. Yeah, just for people's, uh, I guess, no, or yeah, just to inform people. So I guess. I don't know, I guess that's something that helps, but I'm pretty sure they would still find a way to do that, whether <laughs> the volume was there or not. Oh, but just to, to start to wind it down, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing some more shows. We saw it at the, the Queen Elizabeth Theater, and I think it's a, a fairly good theater. Um, the seats aren't great. My back was hurting for days afterwards. Uh, but I, I think both the shows that I saw at it were, were well worth the money I spent on it. So I, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more. Yes, no, we're, we're, we here at the Novice Leaders are trying to, uh, you know, put more culture into ourselves and there you go. You know, not be unsavor, <laughs> the unsavory type, uh, uncultured, of course. Um, but that also means that this is more of a pop, not only popular, but this is yeah, a little more of the um, mainstream plays, you would say, whereas we have to go out of our way to go to other, like, little art house theaters uh, are yeah. holes in the wall that actually have real plays, you know, the ones that have like only two acts or not two acts, but like there's only two people in the uh, the entire performance. Yeah, these are musicals, you know. Yeah, musicals are unfortunately the popular thing amongst and the mainstream thing amongst theater, whereas like you know, real theater is all about the acting, not just singing. <laughs> yeah, and I'll say for uh, when I went to go see Anastasia, at least it was I'm pretty sure it was sold out. There wasn't an empty seat that I could see. Yeah. I'm pretty sure uh, my house was also sold out. Yeah, so it's nice to see that thriving here. Um, but do you have much? Do you have any little lingering thoughts before we close it down? I would say to all the like, you know, all the listeners, go out and watch. Like, if it's in your area, go watch it. But unfortunately, it's actually at the end of its run. So uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, oops. Yeah. I'll... Well, if it's if it uh, comes back around at some point, uh, get it. Go out if you get a chance to see it. I would, I would say, uh, you know, try and find reasonable seats and, uh, or, you know, ones that aren't too expensive and, uh, 
yeah, I I would highly I would I'm feeling this play and I would I would highly recommend it to uh, others to see it, and uh, you know, yeah, you know, uh, let us know in our email what you guys thought of the play and uh, yeah, if we're wrong or just what your thoughts are on it. Yeah, and I'll just say we we both saw it. At, um, Isaac saw it on March 11th, and I saw it on March 9th, just in case anyone's happened to be at the same show. Oh well. Yeah, I, I forget. That's right. I guess people, local people, will listen to us. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, you never know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, okay. I never really thought of that, but fair enough. <laughs> oh, but uh, yeah, I guess that's. I guess that's all we got for that one. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah. Till next time. Peace. <laughs>